LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Beyond politics, poverty and war. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com I'm your host Greg Moffat and my guest today is Luigi Schiambarella of the Monroe Institute who joins us to discuss altered states, lucid dreams, and the evolution of consciousness. Out-of-body experiences and other altered states of consciousness offer some of the most compelling evidence that reality extends beyond our five senses and that consciousness itself transcends death. These experiences can also lead to awareness that the universe is fundamentally a multidimensional energy field and that all things within it are connected. Such realizations hold powerful potential for personal growth, self-healing, problem-solving, creativity, and ultimately, profound spiritual awakening. Hello and welcome, Luigi, and thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Thank you for inviting me, Greg. Now, Luigi, today we're going to discuss some of your work with the the Monroe Institute, uh, which basically, for people who don't know, it's a non-profit research and educational organization dedicated to enhancing the uses and understanding of human consciousness. So perhaps just to set the scene, you could tell us a little bit about your background, about the Monroe Institute and uh, how you started this work. The Monroe Institute, as you, you probably read, uh, was established by Robert Monroe. And, uh, and he was a Virginia businessman who, in the late 1950s, started having experiences which uh, completely altered his perception of reality and these were things uh, that he couldn't ignore uh, they were experiences that at the time didn't even have a term um, they became known and, and his book uh, certainly popularized the term out-of-body experiences and uh, and he wasn't a religious person by, by uh, any means so he didn't have a, a framework in which to operate and that really helped because he didn't laden it with any sort of dogmatic language, and uh, and he wanted to explore what it was. Um, he was because he was wealthy, he was able to get himself uh, assessed and checked out by medical professionals, and they've sort of told him, Bob, you know, other than maybe being stressed at work or something like that, there's not anything particularly wrong with you. Your brain looks okay. Uh, your mental health is fine. There's nothing physically wrong with you. You don't have a tumor or anything like that. So just go away and get some rest but the experiences kept happening and so once he realized that he uh, these experiences weren't going to kill him uh he became very curious and wanted to know what they were all about so he uh was able to uh, set up a research uh division um with with his uh broadcasting companies his radio company and they kind of did some research using sound uh, and sleep learning and really that's where it all stemmed from you know seeing if we could learn during our sleep and Bob was a primary guinea pig in that research and that's probably one of the main reasons why why he started having the out-of-body experiences because he was playing around a lot with different sound technology to uh, to get him into these uh, deep sleep states but what we find is that as you start to get your body to go to sleep but keep your mind slightly awake then a lot of experiences can start to happen that you become conscious of. So from that early work and, uh, and early research, just a really quick, long story short, Bob Monroe developed uh, a technology which he then called Hemisync, uh, which is short for hemispheric synchronization. And this is a binaural beat technology. So nowadays you'll find a lot of different sort of audio guidance technologies that, that guide people's brains into particular states of consciousness. Well, Bob Monroe and his research team were really the pioneers of that technology. It was the first time that binaural beats were used 
to guide the brain into different states of consciousness. And um, and that was really the the uh, the the beauty of, of Bob's approach because it was a scientific approach. Here we're using technology to get yourself into particular states and it's easily done. I mean, you don't have to really do anything. You just put a headset on, uh, some headphones, some earphones, whatever you feel most comfortable with. You can even sit between speakers if you wanted to. And gently, within about five or ten minutes, then your brain is going to be following uh, the guidance of, of, the, uh, of the particular tones that you're listening to. Now, on top of that, Bob and Rose started to refine his experiences and really started to map out the territory, uh, which you could explore once you start to move into altered states. And the first one that he really came across was the mind awake, body asleep state, which he called Focus 10. Bob didn't really attach anything particular uh, to the to the label. He just called it 10 because this was a, a number that he could assign to a particular state of consciousness without having to refer to any sort of dogmatic uh, terminology. So he invented the focus levels as they were. And the idea here is that right now you're in a particular state of consciousness, the waking state. We call that C1 consciousness or consciousness one. And just like you turn the uh, the dial of a radio to tune into different channels, you can do that with your own consciousness. And so as you start to move uh, slightly out of phase, slightly out of coherence with the physical system, you can start to move into other states of consciousness that are kind of around you all the time anyway, much like radio signals are around you all the time now. So using your own mental apparatus, you can tune into these different focus levels. So starting with something like focus 10, uh, which is a state of mind awake, body asleep, and then expanding out into something like uh, focus 12, which is a state of expanded awareness all the way through to, you know, different uh, uh, belief system territories and uh, and systems that are quite quite uh, seemingly far away from the physical system, like uh, like Focus Twenty Seven or something like that. But you can you can really explore these whilst obviously being a physical being, <laughs> and, uh, and and certainly without having to do too much. In fact, effort really is counterproductive to this process because you kind of have to allow the technology to work together with your intention in order to be able to move into these states. So I went to uh, I went to university um, and, and studied psychology. Um, I'd had some experiences when I was uh, younger, around about seven years old, that really uh, made me question the uh, I suppose the present understanding of reality. Um, at the time, obviously, I wouldn't have used these sorts of terms. I just thought there's something weird going on. Uh, I started having lucid dream experiences. Um, which, as you may know, are dreams where you are conscious within the dream state. And I started receiving communications uh, in, in those states. So I, I really was interested in what, what it all meant. Then as I went through school, uh, life kind of gets in the way and you get distracted by different things. And, uh, and it was only really when I went back to university that I wanted to uh, to explore consciousness. And, uh, and unfortunately, our... Uh, our uh, education system really isn't geared up to exploring um, mental states in a, in a sort of uh, experiential way. There's a lot of theoretical stuff. Uh, we're still kind of trying to shed the, the behavioral uh, way of thinking, which has now kind of been replaced by things like cognitive neuroscience. Um, but really the focus is more on stuff like uh, neural correlates of consciousness. So I was still having experiences at university that didn't really marry up. I met a, a friend there who uh, I still work with and is, is also a trainer in this country, Phil Davidson. And we started doing a lot of hypnosis in the lab. Um, and I was started accessing some of those states that I, I was accessing when I was younger. At that time, Phil then decided that it might help the whole process and speed things up a lot more if we started introducing Hemisync, this technology uh, designed by Bob and his team. And he certainly did just that. Before, uh, in the early days with the uh, with the research in the soundproof room uh, that we used, it would probably take about a couple of hours in order for me to start getting into the zone. Whereas with Hemisync, it took me about maybe 20 minutes. And then from there, we were able to sort of test a lot of things in uh, in altered states. 
it was only after that that I, I decided that really, you know, I, I wanted to uh, engage with the Monroe Institute directly. I wanted to go to a program, but the idea of a, a poor student going over to the U.S. to uh, to set a residential program was was um, more of a uh, a fantasy than than a possible reality. But we uh, we were fortunate enough to find out that the programs actually took place in Spain at the time with uh, Carol de la Haran, who became the president and, uh, and passed earlier this year. Um, but we were lucky enough to, to go to Gateway in Spain, and, and I had some incredible experiences there, which really uh, put a, a different take on, on the experiences that I'd been having up to then and give me a, a sort of different uh, way of looking at things. And after that, I really wanted to start spreading uh, spreading the, the information, start getting more people to experience things for themselves. And uh, I was really surprised when I first started looking that there was nobody in, in the UK who was uh, running the programs, given that the all the exercises are in English. You know, Bob Monroe uh, spoke his American English and, and his voice is usually the one that's on the exercises. So it was really easy to, to be able to migrate it. And... Uh, so we looked around and thought, okay, well, instead of wishing that somebody else is going to appear and, and start doing this, why, why don't we do it? And, uh, and so we did a few more programs and signed up to the, uh, the training, and, and that's where we are now. So that, that was three years ago that we did our first weekend workshop, and last year we brought over the Gateway Voyage program, which is the flagship six-day residential program that they do at the Monroe Institute. Um, which Bob Monroe uh, designed back in the early 70s. And uh, and this year we repeated it. And next year we are also going to be doing it again, but also bringing the Lifeline program. So we're really starting to uh, to expand what, uh, what we do at the Monroe, Monroe Institute over here in the UK. As you alluded to when you mentioned the education system a couple of minutes ago, mm. certainly in the West anyway, we live in a, you know, a reductionistic, materialistic science-based society and out-of-body experiences, altered states of consciousness, if they're considered seriously at all, they're considered secondary epiphenomenons of the brain that really don't have any importance or meaning, no significance whatsoever. And at worst, quite often, it's considered some sort of pathology, some sort of mental illness. If you went to your average GP, I would imagine, and said, look, I'm starting to be hovering above my body at night or whatever sort of altered state experience you were having, you would quite possibly be referred to a psychologist. Well, absolutely. And I mean, this this was quite the funny thing. When, when I was at university and I was having experiences, uh, I was going out of body and having lucid dreams all the time. And uh, I was even manifesting uh, visual phenomena with my eyes open in the daytime. And, and I'm studying psychology at the time. So I'm thinking, well, these, these are classic uh, schizophrenia hallmarks, uh, you know, these are, these are pointers that I'm, I'm having some sort of psychotic episode. But the, the, the main word here, Greg, is control. And, uh, you know, if you have these experiences switched on and have absolutely no idea how they arise and can't distinguish them from the standard sort of C1 consciousness, the waking reality, then maybe you, you could have some problems. Um, mostly related to being able to um, distinguish between um, what's happening in altered state and what's happening in, in physical reality. With, with out-of-body experiences, I was inducing them. You know, I was lying down, I was listening to an exercise, and then I was going out of body. So it's not it's not that it was just happening spontaneously. I mean, maybe that was the case when I was younger, but here we have tools that allow you to be able to move into these states and do so deliberately. Also, what you might consider altered states, a really natural phenomenon. You know, we, we go through these states uh, throughout the day anyway. Mostly at nighttime, we pass through states that are, uh, are out-of-body states, and um, we're just not conscious of them. And that's the main thing, you know, we're now training ourselves to be conscious through the processes that we go through in, in the day and night. And that's something that you can learn to do. You know, most people, they might lie down at night and, uh, and when their mind goes to sleep and the body goes to sleep, it happens at the same time. And therefore, that's when you slip into dreamland and maybe you remember your dreams and maybe you don't. And then you wake up in the morning, you think about going to work or whatever. And that's the kind of standard procedure, but it doesn't have to be like that. 
body going to sleep is something that's separate from your mind going to sleep and you can unlearn that process it doesn't mean that the two have to happen at the same time so suddenly you have a very natural situation where your body's asleep your mind's wide awake and then a phenomenon like the dream state starts to arise and you're aware of it arising and you become conscious in that state you know this is something that just takes some practice and intention you need to know that you can do it and then you need to have the tools to do it uh, but you're already equipped with it because you already go into these states anyway at night so it's just a practice effect so when we say that you know uh, our society doesn't really accept uh, altered state phenomena well you, most of the time you're kind of in an altered state I mean if you're consciously present in, in the moment all the time then you, you're probably walking around as a, as a Buddha uh, mo- most people are either living in the present, in the past, or living in the future. You know, we're either thinking about uh, what happened and how we could have done things differently, and who said what at work, and how how that might have annoyed you or something like that, or you're thinking about what's coming next. You know, planning for a holiday or planning what you're going to do tomorrow, and what you're going to say to that person when you next see them, and that kind of thing. So very rarely do we actually live in the now. And that, that sort of daydreaming that we go through is an altered state of consciousness. It's taking you away from being fully present right now. So the, the idea here is, is not that you're going to be moving into states that are completely alien to you. Uh, you're going into states that maybe you've not really entered consciously uh, and held for, for very long, but they're the, the, the states that you, you do pass through in in a day cycle, uh, naturally, and, and, and every day. Well, you made a comment there about control. Um, I did an interview with uh, an American psychologist called uh, Kirby Surprise, who'd written a book called Synchronicity. Now, he's a psychologist, quite often dealing with people who are having sev- severe psychotic breaks, you know, paranoid schizophrenics. He's been able to help some of them by bringing them to an understanding that their thoughts are being reflected back to them. You know, even their subconscious is being reflected back to them and what actually happens in their lives. And once they realize that they have a degree of control over this and that they're not actually going mad. And that, as you said, this is part, this is all part of who we are as biological beings, but also energetic beings then that really changes everything. It doesn't mean that maybe you don't, you might want to stop having these episodes. Maybe that doesn't happen, but it really helps to put it in perspective that this is not necessarily a descent into madness. Absolutely not. And I mean, it's quite funny because I've had uh, some phone calls from people who were originally extremely frightened. You know, they they call me up and I mean, people find us uh, usually as a last resort when it's that kind of phone call because they've gone to the doctors, they've received their medication, they they might have even been in some sort of clinic. Um, and then they call me and they say, look, you know, I, I've not slept for the last week and uh, and I'm having some problems, but I'm, I'm, you know, hitting the ceiling when I close my, my eyes at night and I'm seeing myself in bed and it's a very frightening experience and I think I'm dying or going crazy. And, and then w- within about 20 minutes, they're suddenly finding that this experience was, was one of the most experience, amazing experiences that they've had in their lives and they really wish they could do it again. You know, it's all a matter of trying to uh, reframe it in a way that says, actually, this is perfectly normal. This is actually who you are and this is how you begin the journey of self-discovery. You are more than your physical body, as Bob Monroe constantly said, uh, but he also said, go find out. And uh, and this is really what we're trying to get people to do. You know, just say, well, forget what the mass media is trying to pump down your throat. You know, I mean, whether they're doing it consciously or consciously or, or whatever the, the motivations might be to tell you that uh, consciousness is epiphenomenal, a byproduct of a brainwave activity that really nobody understands how, how it all works anyway um, and why consciousness arises in the first place. But... Here we have a, a situation where you can use your own mental tools. You don't have to build on something you don't have. This is uh, something that you're already equipped with. Kids do this. You know, children from a very young age have out-of-body experiences. They have lucid dream experiences. They don't have to go into an ashram in order to gain those abilities. They just do it. A lot of what we do at the Monroe Institute is try to get people to get that left brain thinking, that critical analysis, that bit that says, you know, there's 
only physical things and, and there's only material things. Get that out of the way for just a little bit, maybe 30, 40 minutes during an exercise and just allow yourself to move into more sort of creative, spontaneous, uh, intuitive thinking, that right brain thinking, and just see what happens. And most of the time people experience things that, that normally they, they wouldn't be conscious of. And that's, and that's very empowering once that, that happens. And it starts to immediately change the way they think about themselves, about other people and, and society in general, because they, they realize very quickly that actually, once you shut down the, the physical system, there's a lot more going on. And this is something that has no explanation in the mainstream uh, science because, you know, they want to dismiss that. I mean, it was only up until very recently that they that lucid dreams were, were thought of as, as something that were impossible uh, an anomaly that uh, surely the people are just making it up or it's residual dreaming and so on. And only with uh, recent instrumentation and EEGs and eye tracking things have they been able to prove that you can be both in the dream state and also communicating uh, with the physical world using your eye movement because, you know, your eyes uh, uh, don't become paralyzed in the dream state. You know, they, they, they carry on moving as well as your uh, respiratory system. So the, the, these are things that science is slowly starting to catch on with. But, you know, for thousands of years, I mean, Buddhists have been doing things like dream yoga practices and various cultures in the world have things like dream time and so on. And, and these are things that people have known about, uh, natural portals into uh, altered states, uh, which are perfectly natural. Um, but only now is science starting to catch up a little bit. But unfortunately, it's not mainstream science. You know, Bob Monroe stumbled across something using uh, binaural beats, um, which he found guided your brain into into particular states of consciousness. But again, you know, you, you are more than your physical body. So getting your brain into a particular state isn't enough. You need to have the intention, the belief uh, that you can move into these states and be conscious of them. And if you expect nothing to happen, well, probably nothing will happen because that's what you're creating as your reality. That's what you're manifesting. But if you just allow uh, those unconscious parts of you to communicate with you and start to speak less in physical language, in, in this verbal language that we've uh, acquired over, over recent time, really, uh, and start to think more in, in symbolic language, in the language of the subconscious uh, then you'll find that it's a lot easier to build that bridge between the, your uh, your waking self and your your the your subconscious uh, unconscious self, which is connected to a lot more than uh, than this physical reality. That's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned that the work being done in this area, such that it is, isn't mainstream science. Um, no. You go, for example, to um, your average bookshop, and you go quite often. They now have something they didn't maybe have. Yeah, a generation ago, which is a popular science section. And you can go there and you can find lots of interesting books connecting with the sort of work that the Monroe Institute does. Uh, you might get something by, say, someone like Rupert Sheldrake, which is really challenging the mainstream consensus. But then you have very powerful figures like Richard Dawkins, for example, and you know how much his books are selling because you see huge billboard adverts for them in train stations. His mindset, it's very influential. It's really resisting, ironically, a lot of what cutting-edge science is beginning to suggest to us about the nature of reality? Thankfully, there are there are physicists out there who are starting to uh, postulate theories which are, are even more radical than what I'm suggesting with out-of-body states. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the, the physicists are really, uh, are really pushing something, and uh, I'm not even going to start to attempt to uh, address their theories, but there's certainly a lot more than just the new, uh, Newtonian sort of physics out there. And, uh, and Th that sort of way of thinking, that sort of, well, you know, may maybe there's uh, there's a lot more going on than, than meets the eyes, really starting to penetrate into certainly a, a, an underground uh, sort of way of thinking, you know, people in pockets that sort of experiment for themselves and read up on a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I know people like Dawkins are very influential and, and really, you know, they're, they're, they're probably right in a lot of regards. But what they're doing is they're kind of... They're, they're almost imposing their own belief system onto everyone else. And, and really, that's kind of something that uh, we, we try to discourage because, you know, we, we say, well, go find out. There's no, there shouldn't be any dogma, uh, whether that's, you know, in, in some sort of new age belief system or, or whether it's uh, some dogma in, in scientism. 
blindly following uh, a particular scientific mainstream view isn't, isn't science at all, actually. You should be in, inquiring and keeping an open mind about everything, a critical analysis, uh, which is really the hallmark of science. Th- this, is, this is something that is certainly uh, appearing a bit, uh, a bit more nowadays. I mean, you know, we do have conferences like the Gateways of the Mind, which, you know, maybe uh, even a few years ago wouldn't even... Uh, have, have been on the radar and now you're seeing more of that starting to appear so uh, as ultimately people have experiences they have anomalous experiences that don't fit the mainstream and because they will always have them because that's who you are uh, then you can't uh, just completely bury those sorts of ideas under the carpet and thankfully you know there are things like the internet which uh, allows people to share ideas like that uh, in open forums and that sort of thing, which which helps because it, it helps people to communicate. I know there's a bunch of Facebook groups on, you know, things like out-of-body experiences and astral projection, lucid dreaming and, and consciousness exploration. I mean, these are these are things that didn't exist even a year ago. Things are growing. Uh, it's steady. There is a bit of a momentum uh, starting to build and, and certainly uh, uh, th- there is an optimism in that. At the same time, you know, we have to we have to move forward carefully in that we don't want to be uh, creating a whole new set of dogmas and belief systems about how you can explore altered states. And that's something that will be a challenge in, in the coming years because, you know, people still like to uh, follow gurus and, and be spoon-fed things. And, and that's something that really will limit your uh, experience in in finding out who you are. I mean, this is this is not something that somebody can tell you. Uh, you can be given the tools, but you do have to find out yourself. You have to go and explore. And sometimes I'll tell you experiences that I've had that don't fit with yours. And that's absolutely fine because that's my path. And then there's your path. You know, if, if what I say or anyone else says inspires you to find your own answers, then great. If they just lead to blind belief, then then they've missed the point. So uh, so that's uh, another challenge as well. It's not just about trying to move away from mainstream uh, science and, and raise the profile of exploring altered states. It's about how we actually do that in a way that helps people um, and, and helps people to discover more about themselves and not just to jump to somebody else's ready-made answers. Well, I have, as far as Dawkins and that whole worldview goes, I have a saying that sort of applies here. It's like, in our, if we wish to, say, for example, oppose religious fundamentalism, we should be careful that we don't become too religious or fundamentalist in our opposition. You know, it's very easy. You know, what you fight, you become type of idea. But you made a comment about, and this applies to your own experience, about childhood. And I think this is very significant because for kids, their actual brain waves are different up to about age six or seven. And then again, changes around 14. You know, this was Rudolf Steiner's idea of these three developmental stages. And for kids up until six or seven, the inner and outer world really are not as separate the way they are for adults. And I mean, that's something we acquire. And really, up to a certain age, you're mostly in sort of a delta brainwave frequency as well, which is which is very close to that sleep state. Um, which is probably why that you know they, they can get easy access into these altered states, and then you know things like alpha and beta start kicking in, and uh, you know we we start getting roped into the uh, the standard sort of adult uh, brain uh, but you know I mean e- even then you know e- it's possible to, to get your brain into into delta states into sort of these regressed uh, states uh, in order to experience I mean that, that's really what focus 10 is all about you know we try to take you to a borderline sleep state which is effectively uh, a deep delta but whilst keeping your mind awake so maybe uh, the difference between, I suppose, uh, a child experiencing uh, an altered state and an adult experiencing the same one is that um, if the adult approaches it correctly, they will be able to uh, know that they've shifted into an altered state. Whereas for a child, maybe it'll just feel like um, just part of uh, a daily life cycle, and they they do, they won't. Re- I mean, they'll know the difference between uh, waking and, and and dreaming or or uh, sleeping, but. You know, they'll just think it's just part and parcel of what they do in the day, whereas an adult will notice the shift. And certainly this is uh, this is one of the major things that uh, really points to the fact that being able to move into altered states is a natural phenomenon because you do it as a child. Um, and this is why I'm also m- mentioning uh, again that 
certain uh, practices that get you into uh, moving into altered states, well, they don't really have to be that difficult. If you find that something is particularly challenging in what you have to believe and think about and visualize this and that and, and you know, you've got to do it this way, uh, otherwise nothing happens, well, that really can't be right <laughs> because you did it when you were a kid when you didn't have all those beliefs. So really it's more to do with instead of having to acquire something let, let's let's subtract some things because you've already got everything so how do you get out of your own way what have you added in the way uh what are you thinking about that's that's stopping you from noticing something that's already there and that's really what uh you know may, maybe doing something as simple as putting on some track which has got some binaural beats in it uh, let, less you do you know you just lying there you don't have to do anything actually the less you pay attention to the sounds uh, the better, really. The, the less you try to hear the beating frequency, the better, because you just you just allow that process to take place. I used to like riding horses when I was a kid, but I knew I've never been on a horse in my life. <laughs> All <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember clear as day. I can remember running around, and I was on a horse. I couldn't have been more on a horse than I was then. But you know, as I say, I've never even. I don't think I've even ever patted a horse on the nose. But uh, I can't imagine attempting to do that now. I might get some strange looks in the street, you know. <laughs> but, um, well, absolutely. Well, you, you, could, you could certainly do that in a lucid dream. I was going to say, we'll talk about lucid dreaming in a moment, but why don't we just do, get to that now, actually? Because you've laid out a little bit of what it is. It's the whole brain awake, body asleep. Now, I don't think I've ever, I've never really discussed this with anybody. I'm not sure I've ever had a, a proper lucid dreaming experience, but it can be very powerful it can be a lot of fun, it can be very interesting, it can be terrifying, it can be a lot of things. So perhaps we just shed a little bit more light on that and why for some people these experiences can be so profound and actually useful in terms of personal development. Well, okay, just just to really clarify, okay, a lucid dream is a dream in which you know you're dreaming whilst you're still in the dream. This isn't, you know, some people really think that a lucid dream is a very, very vivid dream or a very... Uh, um, uh, yeah, as I say, a very vivid dream, so that when they woke up, they remembered all the details and so on. Yeah, that that that's that's a very clear dream, uh, very uh, easy to remember dream, but it's not a lucid dream. You need to be conscious that you are in the dream state. And most of the time, when people have a lucid dream, it's spontaneous. They notice that they're dreaming whilst they're in the dream, um, so they become lucid from within the dream. Versus um, they they catch it all on the way down which you can do if you meditate. You can you can just allow your body to go to sleep while keeping your mind awake, and therefore the dream just forms around you, so you catch it on the way down. But so th these experiences, you know, they, they can be very short-lived. You'll find that uh, pigs flying across, and you think, well, pigs don't fly, and that's strange. Now, most of the time, that critical faculty is switched off in the dream state. You know, somebody will come come to you in the dream state and say, oh, well, that pig's flying because, you know, somebody shut off the gravity uh, today. They're just doing some experiments in a lab down there, and, and that's why the pig's flying. And you say, oh, okay, that's fine. And then you just walk on and start talking with the purple dragons and that kind of thing. Whereas when you become lucid, you kind of have there's, – there's a precursor to, to it. There's a pre-lucid state which kind of says something's not right. And what is it? And you stop and think. And it's not often that you do that in the dream. And so you stop and think and think, well, well that's strange. You know, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in, in waking reality. And therefore, you become lucid. At that point, there can be uh, a whole variety of experiences that can follow. Usually a rush of euphoria and adrenaline takes place there where you realize, oh, my God, I'm in a dream. This is amazing. You know, why Why am I lucid in the dream? You know, how is this even possible? So you run around and you go, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming. And you start screaming at things and, and pointing at stuff and saying, that's that's dream stuff. And then that's a dream person and that's a dream car. And then maybe you fly around for a bit, which is always a very nice way of getting around the world. And then you just fly around and then you suddenly find that you wake up because you were so excited that you woke yourself up. So the dream experience might last anywhere from, you know, 10 seconds to a minute or something like that to start with. Um, and so that's your first taste of a lucid dream. When you repeat 
lucid dreams and you start getting a bit more uh, experience within that state and uh, a bit more proficient at not getting too overwhelmed and excited by being lucid, then you can really start to do a lot of things. Put simply, you are in your own reality, you're in your own head, and everything within the dream state, including your physical body in there, your embodiment, you, is dream stuff. So what you see in the dream is a, usually like a, a, a replica uh, world. Uh, you know, you might find yourself in your bedroom, for instance, which is uh, recreated in detail. It might not be exact. You know, your bed might look different. You might be in bed with someone else. Uh, if you look at your body, you're probably wearing uh, different clothes or no clothes or you have a different shape or something like that. But you're in an environment, you're in yourself, you're still physical, and, and that's usually uh, how people enter a dream state. But once you, once you can start to move around, you can start to play with the boundaries. So you don't have to walk around places you can fly, or you can just think yourself in different locations. You don't have to walk, walk uh, downstairs, you just float down them, or just think yourself at the bottom of the stairs. You don't have to open the door, you can just go through it. You can go through the walls. You can breathe underwater, you can fly into space. You can do all kinds of things that are fun and interesting. But... Other than the recreational value of that, you start to really push the uh, the belief system of what's possible. And that's very important because, okay, you might not be able to do that yet in the physical world, but just knowing that you can do it somewhere starts to really lay down some sort of mental uh, markers saying that actually you're, you're capable of creating a lot of things, of doing a lot of things. And then you start to move into... Um, communication with your subconscious with your unconscious instead of treating everything in the dream as a toy you can start to interact with it you can start asking questions to the dream state and uh, and you can use this very creatively you can do a lot of problem solving within the dream state because the dream is incredibly creative it just forms itself around you you don't actively have to create your house your beach uh, space whatever you find yourself you don't have to do that you just have to think of yourself being there and you'll be done so if you put forward a question or a problem then the answer will come and you don't have to worry about how that's going to be done it's just going to happen because your your unconscious works a hell of a lot faster than you do and it can come up with answers a lot faster i i know uh, a few people who are artists that go around uh, art galleries in the dream state uh, and there's art exhibitions and uh, and the pieces on the wall as soon as they walk in and they'll just notice something and then get a, a nice mental image of it and then just wake themselves up and draw it or painted or whatever you know i mean th this is something that the dream can do so it's almost uh, a lazy man's way of uh, being incredibly creative it's is direct communication with your intuitive aspect as well uh one very powerful use of the lucid dreaming state is for healing yourself um you know if, if you have a particular physical uh, problem a pain or something like that then you can visualize it uh, in the dream state, you can invent a tool that you give yourself, a big ball of uh, purple healing energy that you apply to a particular part of your body. You can do that. And, and oftentimes uh, in the waking state, you'll feel the benefit of that. Um, there's some incredible examples of, uh, of healing yourself within the, a dream state. So there's a, a, a massive uh, potential for, uh, for self-healing. Uh, almost self-therapy without having to uh, be exposed to uh, painful things. And, uh, and and then the other thing is actually just healing yourself uh, in terms of uh, getting past nightmares and, and understanding the meaning of why you're having such experiences. And because usually ne what we would class as negative experiences, frightening experiences, are just the dream's way of trying to get your attention, trying to um, point something out to you that you should be aware of. So here we have the ability to be conscious in that uh, that state. So we can directly ask uh, the monster that's chasing us, you know, what do you represent? What are you trying to tell me? And then you can send it some healing, some love energy or something like that. And you'll find that it changes form or it will, it will give you a message. And say, all right, oh, okay, now you're paying attention, right? Well, this is what I wanted to tell you. And then it'll, t it'll tell you what it is that uh, was hidden by the symbol of, uh, of that feared object, that nightmare. So there's a lot of work that you can do within a, a dream state to, to make yourself more, uh, more complete, more whole. 
the history of mankind, whether it's been through meditation, shamanic practices, or use of psychedelic substances and other things, um, dancing, drumming, all sorts of things, history has really been about accessing altered states of consciousness and realizing that they were very important and very useful and that this was not some sort of, uh, you know, it was not just a dream, that there was a, a reality there that for many peoples down history was more real and more important than our normal waking reality. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I mean, this is one of the things, you know, when you go into an altered state, and I'm talking about lucid dreams, I'm talking about out-of-body experiences, you can move into different levels of those states. So it's not just like, all right, you're lucid and uh, in a dream and that's it. There are levels to that, and same with the out-of-body state. And some of these lead to perceptions which are far beyond what you can perceive in the physical uh, system using your five physical senses. You end up with hyper-reality states. And this is something that really, in terms of being able to describe it in language, you, you just can't do it. Some some have tried and, uh, and have, done, uh, have succeeded to varying degrees and probably have to refer to analogies and, and uh, almost poetic language. And this idea of hyper-reality, actually moving into a state which is away from your physical system, but is actually more real, uh, really does start to push the boundaries of, of what is uh, what is real, what is uh, what what reality is in in, in the first place. And so I, I think that's kind of a, a major sort of benefit of being able to move into altered states. So actually see how far you can push it, um, how 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 you can perceive once you take the filters off. I mean sometimes. I go into altered states and I manage to dissolve my body form because, you know, it's, it's quite uh, something to be able to move around in the physical body and, and recreate that in, a, in an out-of-body state. But it, it, once, as Bob Monroe said, it, you know, once the gel is out of the mold, you know, then, then it can settle and actually it loses the body form and it can just turn into something else. And you can actually become all of your environment at once. You actually... Uh, can move into states where you as as an entity, as a, as a being, uh, ceases to be in that sort of uh, I'm here and the environment's over there. You become all things at once and you can understand an interconnection, a greater reality, which is certainly not possible in the physical state, uh, not not as, as we, we navigate it uh, now anyway. Um, I'm sure it is possible and I suppose that's what the, the Buddhists allude to with enlightenment. But uh, with with uh, moving into an altered state, you're already in a more refined state of consciousness because you're not having to think about your physical body. And therefore, these hyper-real uh, dimensions are open to you. And I think this is something that has been lost over time because once upon a time, we used to go into these states and that's where we used to get information. We used to tap into uh, aspects of ourselves, aspects that are connected with the wider reality to give us information about our world and, and our current situation and help us in our lives. Now we look for uh, that information uh, around us from the media, from what scientists are telling us, uh, what the news is telling us and so on. So we actually become incredibly lazy at being able to get that information. And we don't really give ourselves enough time to, uh, to explore things for ourselves, to find our own answers. We just think that somebody's just going to tell us at some point. And that's really where I think we've started to, uh, we've started to hide a particular path that was uh, available to us. But it doesn't really take much to actually get back there and find the massive value in being able to do that. So it's all is not lost, um, but it's just going to take a little bit of time to be able to have the confidence to uh, to move into that path again. Now, to uh, dip into the science of this, you mentioned earlier the hemispheric synchronization or hemisync uh, in the Monroe Institute context. And this refers to the two hemispheres of the brains. Perhaps you could say a little bit about What's actually going on there in respect to the, the aforementioned uh, binaural beats? Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, you have a brain. And this brain is divided into two halves called hemispheres. And they're connected by a bunch of fibers in the middle, uh, which form something called the corpus callosum. Now, that's how the, the, the brain hemispheres talk to each other through this uh, sort of real estate in between. Now, what we talk about 
as left brain and right brain. I mean, it really, we're, talk, we're talking in gross generalizations, but if we were to say that a hemisphere is specialized for something, then, then we're not saying that the activity only happens in that one side of the brain. It happens in both, but it's mainly in one. So it's, it's a dominant side. So we live right now in a culture that's very left brain dominant, one which is very objective. Uh, it likes things sort of in black and white. It, it's, it's a little bit inflexible. It's very logically driven. And that's what we tend to promote in uh, especially Western society, in our schooling system. You know, you get things right. Two plus two equals four. If you put five, it's wrong. And, and that's how it is. And that's a left brain uh, question with a left brain solution. And that's, uh, and that's what we promote. But then we get into uh, a situation where uh, maybe we've promoted at work uh, all the left brain people and they're all sat around in a boardroom and, uh, you know, these are your senior executives and the company suddenly has a problem. The market's changing, people's interests have gone elsewhere. And now you need somebody who's creative, a creative idea in the group uh, to change the track uh, and, and move into a different direction, one that might be profitable, you know, a very left brain problem again. But you filter out all the right brain people, the creative types, the subjective thinkers, the ones who are more intuitive and spontaneous, the ones who operate from the hard space, really. Um, they get a raw deal in our society. You know, these are the artists and poets, uh, the creative thinkers um, who very rarely make it uh, mainstream. And when they do, I mean, it's still not as well paid as being a left brain thinker. Um, and so we have this uh, divided sort of brain uh, problem in our, in our society and, and in ourselves. You know, you might find that as, as I'm talking now, you, you can identify yourself as being a little bit more left brained or right brained. What we try to do with uh, Hemisync, and really this is kind of the beauty of it, is that because you play binaural beats, and I'll tell you something a little bit about binaural beats first of all. The way they work is that, crudely put, uh, because it is a bit more complicated than this, a tone is played in one ear, so uh, a particular sound frequency is played in one ear, your left ear, independent of a sound being played in your right ear. And so the two tones will be of a different frequency, but your brain doesn't hear two separate tones. What it does is it works out the phase difference between those two tones and starts to create a new tone, a third tone, which is only heard uh, in your head. And it's, it's the difference between the two tones. So if you played something like a, a 100 hertz tone in one ear and 104 in the other, then your brain doesn't hear those two tones separately, but it starts to hear the difference between the two, which would be 4 hertz. So you start to hear a vibrato. Instead of like a do and a do, you do like a bo 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 And that uh, vibrato isn't on the exercise, it isn't on the, on, uh, on the CD or whatever you're listening to. It's purely in your brain, and it's only created by your two hemispheres working together to produce that tone. Now, the beauty of that is that, first of all, coming back to the left-right brain problem, you start to engage both the left and right hemispheres of your brain in order to make that tone happen, to, to move into a particular state that that tone is trying to get you into. Your brain has to work in unison. You get a whole brain way of thinking. So if you're a very left brain person, then you will start to find that your right brain will start to have more input and vice versa. So sometimes you might be, uh, you know, uh, the poor artist, but doesn't have a business plan. Well, now your left brain's coming in and actually uh, helping you out with that. Or if you're a, a left brain thinker who needs a creative solution, then suddenly you find that coming in. So that's a spontaneous kind of benefit that you'll get from from listening to Hemisync, from uh, from engaging in in listening to binaural beats. The other thing uh, is that right now your brain and the way it communicates, it does so by electrical impulses. So right now, if you're paying attention to what I'm saying, it's probably in a high alpha, low beta frequency, around about 13, 14 hertz, which is is pulsing at particular cycles per second, so 13 or 14 uh, cycles per second. But as you start to uh, approach sleep, then really, you know, that, that example I gave, which was four hertz, that's that corresponds more like with a delta or a, or a, a low theta. So if you wanted to put someone to sleep, you would play a binaural beat, which pr produces that four hertz tone. 
And after about five or 10 minutes, then you'll find that the brain waves of that individual will start to follow the four hertz tone that's being produced by the binaural beating. So you actually guide the brain in something called a frequency following response into uh, a particular frequency. So if you want to put someone to sleep, you play something with four hertz. If you want to get someone in a a more of a, a meditative state, then you'd probably play something with a bit more alpha in or theta, so you kind of keep them around about maybe the seven or eight hertz band or something like that. But we layered it up with hemisync. You know, there's not just one frequency playing because your brain's a lot more complicated than just uh, being in one frequency at a time. Actually, all of them are going on uh, to varying degrees, and and so we, we really layer it up so that particular sounds are doing certain things to particular parts of your brain. And, uh, you know, so that you can end up in that sort of mind away, body asleep state and so on. So that's kind of the, in a nutshell, how, how Hemisync works. It just gets your left and right brain hemispheres working together to, uh, to guide your brain into a particular sound frequency. So we've already spoken about some of the benefits that these sort of practices and experiences can offer. But certainly some of the programs offered by the Monroe Institute go beyond that in many ways. And we're looking at like serious life-changing experiences, improvements for people, you know, in all sorts of areas, um, to, you know, to do with their, just a general, if you want to use a term like inner peace or discovering your true essence, what you're doing with your life, maybe you can get a focus and a purpose that wasn't there before. Maybe you come to a realization that, you know, and this bothers a lot of people in the West, you come to a realization that existence isn't just meaningless after all. It can affect your attitude to death, perhaps, you know, saying that this life isn't everything in the same way that, you know, consciousness isn't your body. So the, all of these ideas go beyond uh, however beneficial problem solving might be or getting more creative or getting more analytical. That's what you need. Uh, there really is a ways to tap into human potential here that are very profound. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you've got to start somewhere, Greg. You know, I mean, sometimes people might find that they want to have uh, incredible experiences, but they're really poor with their uh, thinking in terms of, uh, uh, you know, their mind being all over the place and they sleep bad and, and, you know, they can't get relaxed and so on. So you need to start off with something that's very practical in that regard. Get people to move into a mentally and physically relaxed state. You know, uh, reclaim your sleep, you know, know how to sleep properly because things can build on that. Uh, know how to think straight so that you can tap into your own creativity and and, and not have to uh, worry every time that you have to think through a problem or something like that. So you move away from, uh, I suppose, the physical world problems uh, by, by getting those sorts of things in line. But after that, yes, you can certainly... Uh, you can certainly tap into what, what we would class as a, a wider reality, the greater reality, and what Bob Monroe uh, referred to as uh, gaining a, a different overview. Um, the idea here is that once you can start to understand uh, and not just believe, but actually know that you are more than your physical body, then what does that mean? You know, what what purpose? Uh, is there for you? What can you what can you find out about yourself, about how you're supposed to relate to the environment uh, and, and those around you? Uh, what kind of person can you become? Where can you go with your mind? And th these are these are questions that uh, and many, many more uh, that you can start asking once you can uh, gain confidence to be able to move into altered states. And, uh, and, and nothing that this is an all or nothing. You know, if, if you have uh, an experience However trivial it might seem, you know, you, you, you were able to maybe peel out of your body just a little bit, but then it lasted 10 seconds and you snap back in. Well, well, physically uh, and, and in the mainstream, that shouldn't be possible. You know, you should not be able to uh, separate from your physical body or move into uh, an altered state consciously. So what does that mean? You know, wh what are the implications of being uh, uh, a being that's, that can exist outside of the physical senses? And this is, uh, these are questions that we ask at the Monroe Institute, starting off with the Gateway Voyage, which is designed to introduce you uh, to the state of mind where body asleep, but also then start to move into those states of expanded awareness and no time states, uh, and then states that really are on the edge of, uh, of, of the physical system and non-physical. And then, you know, things like the Lifeline program, well, we're really starting to go far out there now. We're starting to move uh, to areas that once you're no longer physical, well, where do you where do you end up? 
what are these areas? What are these states of consciousness? Who can you see there? Can you help anyone who might uh, might need assistance in these states? And uh, where can you go for further learning and planning and and uh, get new directions for your for your life journey? So these are things that we certainly touch on at the Monroe Institute, and and the programs go even further out than that. Uh, but uh, but you know I mean this is this is something that you build on over time. You know you have to digest these experiences and uh, and really integrate them because you know you might have a peak experience at a at a Monroe Institute program that will that will change you for life. You know you might make some connection with your inner self or uh, you know somebody who's passed over and and gives you a message or something like that and and you suddenly find that. Uh, your, your worldview is just completely radically altered, and uh, and you need to be able to digest that. Thankfully, we're, we're uh, we we've kind of heard a lot of it. You know, I mean, people's experiences are uh, certainly unique, but they, they fall within particular categories. So, well, we're always there as trainers to be able to assist people on that journey. Well, all of those questions and possibilities that you just posed, if there's someone there listening to this, thinking, yeah, this is interesting this is nice but it's still a bit rainbows and unicorns sort of new age stuff from my perspective that couldn't be farther from the truth because all of the things we've been discussing it affects how we see ourselves how we see wider reality that has a very very practical application that affects how we conduct our lives and how we see other people and the world at large and if we look at what's going on in waking reality right now on planet earth we're in a lot of trouble and there are increasing numbers of people are changing the way that they see themselves and think about wider reality. And a lot of positive things are happening as a result. And it couldn't be a more critical time for this to be happening. Now, and some researchers and some cutting edge scientists, some spiritual thinkers, they're speaking of nothing less than the evolution of consciousness and that this may be our time that we're living in now, a very important step on this journey. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think the biggest problem that we have right now is that because uh, I suppose the the um, the pendulum swung so strongly in, in favor of materialism that people really do think um, I'll just get what I can while I'm here. And then that's the end of it. And that's causing a lot of lot of problems in the world because it just really it, it, it really separates people off from each other. And uh, and through experiencing more than your physical body. Uh, through understanding the interconnectedness that that people share, then you see that actually you you no man is an island, and you experience that uh, directly. You know you you are connected with everyone, and and your actions have have uh, implications that that really run uh, run quite far, and and you can you can change things. Um, even on a, an individual level, you can do a lot of things that can improve the world. Um, just just by becoming a, a more kinder individual just to start with uh you know i mean we, we could do with relating with each other a, a lot nicer and a lot better uh and and this is something that um we're doing less and less you know we, we shouldn't ourselves off from people and uh becoming a very cynical society as well you know we kind of like to just hide behind uh uh the the shield of the internet and just post the uh, uh, negative comments on Facebook and cynical things and all that sort of stuff, but actually going out there and engaging the people face to face and and interacting with them in a meaningful way is is unfortunately lacking at this stage. So this is something that would uh, would help people to open their eyes a bit more to actually see that uh, there is more going on, that you are more than your physical body, and uh, and actually it's very easy to find that out. So now what? How do we how do we all move forward? And these are these are very important questions that we need to be asking right now. But we certainly need a bit of momentum in numbers in order for something to uh, to radically change where we're going right now. Uh, well, as we begin to wind things up for today, uh, Luigi, perhaps you mentioned it briefly uh, in passing earlier on, but we should let people know about the forthcoming Gateways of the Mind conference that's happening here in England next month. So. Just tell us a little bit about that and, you know, maybe a sort of sneak preview of what your, your presentation or workshop uh, will be about. Uh, well, the Gateways of the Mind conference, uh, for those of you who didn't attend uh, last November in London, is, is, a, is a wonderful conference where a lot of uh, consciousness pioneers and, and uh, real people with, uh, with some fantastic ideas on how to explore consciousness and uh, with a lot of experience uh, of doing that are going to be gathering together 
uh, a lot of consciousness explorers are going to be gathering together in, in London on the uh, 9th and 10th of November um, to discuss all, all kinds of uh, ways and practices and, and, and methods um, for exploring consciousness and the wider implications of that. I don't think there's anything else on the calendar uh, like it. Uh, it's certainly an event that if you can make it, then is, is worthwhile being there because it's just it's just so unique in terms of being able to interact with so many like-minded individuals. Uh, certainly everyone has their own background and their own path, uh, but it's nice to be able to share in a, an environment where people are open to actually discussing things that are more than uh, what's uh, accessible just with their physical senses. Um, so it's, it's going to be a wonderful event. You've got speakers like uh, William Buhlman and Tim Freak, Stanley Kripner, uh, there's some, some uh, Charlie Morley, who's a great lucid dreaming teacher, and uh, it's, it's, going to, it's going to be a fantastic event. I'm going to be talking about belief systems in particular, discussing the belief system territories that Bob Monroe talked about, the, the areas outside of the physical system, but also in particular what our beliefs mean uh, when we are exploring consciousness and how um, just following things and believing things versus knowing things can actually get in the way of your own progress and what we can do to actually uh, to sidestep those problems to, uh, to uncovering a greater reality. Excellent. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the Monroe Institute now uh, established in the UK. Um, if listeners are interested in programs there, perhaps you could just tell them where to get more information and anything else you'd like to share. Uh, sure. Well, if you want to find out more, we do have a website, which is uh, Um That has our, uh, our programs listed on there, some information and, and background. And, uh, and you can find out about uh, Hemisync and also the new technology that we've been working on, which is Sam, and, uh, and ways of contacting us from there. We also have a, a Facebook page, which uh, we like to update. Uh, again, if you just look up Monroe Institute UK, you'll find that. So, uh, so we, we like to keep people informed that way, and it's, it's easy enough to get hold of us. And, you know, if you have any sort of questions and you'd like to find out more, then, then just feel free to really contact us. I mean, we, we try to make ourselves available for uh, any sort of question, however trivial you might find it to be. But we're all here to help each other on this, uh, on this path, so uh, we welcome anyone to contact us. Wonderful. Well, Luigi, thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Thank you very much, Greg. Well, folks, that's it for another week. As ever, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please check out the website. That's legalizefreedom.com, legalize-freedom.com, where you'll find an archive of programs offering alternative views on a wide range of topics, including world affairs, politics and economics, science and technology, religion and spirituality, conspiracy, and alternative history. You can also browse and buy a range of books and DVDs from our guests, And if you're feeling generous, make a donation to help keep the site up and running. Until next time, I'm Greg Moffat, and you've been listening to LegalizeFreedom.com.